Retro Anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. How's it going, everyone? How's it going? Hi. Awesome. Today, we're talking about one of the greatest parody films of all time, Project Aiko, the 80s action comedy science fiction romp. Did we catch every reference, Easter egg, and joke? Hell no. But did we have a good time trying? I like to think we did. Project Eiko is a 1986 Japanese anime film. It was directed by Katsuhiko Nishijima. Uh, this series references a number of other works from anime from the 70s and 80s, such as uh, Macross, Armageddon, Fist of the North Star, Gundam, and just so many more that we just don't even know. Uh, Project Eiko was Central Park Media's first video release in 1991, alongside Dominion Tank Police and Empty Geist. Uh, later, they re they released a dubbed version produced by Manga to VHS in 1992, which takes us to when we first found Project Echo, 1992. Big year for all of us Floridians. Uh, I know for me, it was Blockbuster Video in Naranja Shopping Plaza, where I ended up having a job later in life, and I picked that up off the uh, anime section, uh, and that was just based on the cover, because... Anime or animated? Animation. The animation, animation. section, to be, to be clear, it was the animation section. And it was probably one of the first five or so animated films that I picked up off of that shelf just because the artwork looked so interesting. And uh, yeah, so then I don't know about you. What about you guys? How'd you pick it up? Oh, God. I think it, it would either have been you or Diego. <laughs> I like how he asked this question, like, the answer's never going to change. Well, I, I mean, come on. You motherfucker. <laughs> it's you. entirely, it's yeah, entirely possible. 395, there's a nine time, there's a 99% chance it involved everyone else. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say right here, until we get to Haiku, which is Lynette, <laughs> all these are you. Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair. It's a blanket statement. I, I, I get it. Um, Lynette, was this your first time with Project Echo? Yes. I, I love that we keep picking titles that you've <laughs> never seen. This is, it's great. I just think it adds a, a richness and freshness to it. So, um, <laughs> one of the things you were talking about in, in pre-show was the music, which is something I wanted to comment on because I thought it was such an interesting choice. This was, this from the very beginning had an English soundtrack. The soundtrack was created, produced, recorded, the whole nine yards in America, in L.A., which is practically unheard of for a, a Japanese anime. So even if you watched this subbed, which I don't know how you guys all watched it, you still got the English produced soundtrack because that's the only soundtrack there was. I swear I do not know how you find this information. <laughs> it is the internet. Like, I... We need to do a behind the scenes of how you find this information. Like, for instance. Wow, for instance, it'll just be him searching Google. <laughs> Bing. Calling in all my contacts. Ask Jeeves? What about Ask Jeeves? That, ask Jeeves, that yeah. Well, I used to ask Jeeves, but now, you know, I don't. <laughs> so, so here's my question. Shoot. We say streamline. We have Pioneer. We have, but when we're watching it in our, in the manner that we're watching it, it doesn't say streamline. It says like, milky or some some 
You know what sure. I mean? It's, it says well, the so actual production company that did it, not the distributor. Okay, yeah. so we never really see the distribution. We just normally see the producer. It's a few rare occasions back in the uh, 90s when we would watch stuff that Streamline would have their, their logo pre-roll. But for the most part, yeah, they didn't add it. It was just... Yeah, I think once DVD started becoming prevalent, they started adding their, you know, their name, you know, as the DVD started up and not when the actual product that you're watching started. I think I think it's problematic to do that, to try and add a pre-roll. I mean, it's pure speculation, but if you're having to dub and resync audio, I think adding an extra 10 to 30 seconds to the beginning could probably screw all that up. So they, they usually just kind of left the film intact, which is good. <laughs> Project Echo. Uh, I love this movie. I, I I fell in love with this movie. It's funny because the way it fell for me was I had seen Fist of the North Star before I saw this. I'd seen Vampire Hunter D before I'd seen this. I'd seen Akira before I'd seen this. Of course, Super Dimension Fortress Macross. All of these things that this film was parroting, I had already seen before. So when I first watched this, it was... We got the references. Yeah, we got like a lot of the references. Even to this day, I still know I'm not getting everything. But but a lot of it was landing, and it just it was just rolling um, through this whole movie. I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. And every time I see an Easter egg or a reference, like in a Mel Brooks movie equivalent, you know? You just kind of light up. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Did you catch a lot of that your first time around? Or do you feel like it was something that once it was explained to you, it made more sense? It was like, oh, yeah, they are referencing this. I think that I referenced but the things that I caught didn't feel like it was a parody as more an ignorance. It's like, OK, this is what they're doing. And they, uh, oh, my gosh, it's an alien spaceship that's falling out of the sky. It has to be a trope as opposed to it was being a parody. There are a couple of things that I'm watching it now, and it's like, I can't wait to be talking about these things. But to answer your question, no, I didn't catch. I didn't, it didn't feel like, oh my gosh, it's Macross. It just felt like it was just another. It, it, it's like, it, it, for me, it felt like, oh my gosh, I just saw somebody do a roundhouse kick in a kung fu movie. <laughs> 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 and now it's, I. I think what's interesting about it is that going into it back in 1992, we didn't know we were watching a parody. Nothing about the original right. packaging, nothing about anything was, this is a parody film. You just, it was an anime about a schoolgirl who could kick ass. Let me ask a question. And I've been waiting for you, but this wasn't a manga. No, no, this is an original project. In fact, it was um, based on my rudimentary Google Foo. It was intended to be part of the Cream Lemon adult anime series. And when they started production on it, they got to a certain point and decided, no, no, we're going to convert this over and just do a mainstream title. So that's probably when they started leaning hard into a lot more of the parody. Uh, But yeah, the only scene that apparently made it to the final version that was part of the Cream Lemon series was uh, Biko longing for Seiko in the bath. And that's everything else is new. But I tell you, there are so many hilarious movie, moments in this movie. That is an understatement. That's an understatement. And it's even funnier once you get the references. There, there are. There are some, some genuine, I just like, in the intro itself. And Okay, so now let's start with this. 
Uh, how did you watch it? I watched the dub because that's how I watched it back in the day. And I, I, I love the English dub for this for a multitude of reasons I'll bring up. But how, how did you guys watch it? Dub. Uh, this time I watched it sub. Cool. So in- yeah, originally I watched it dubbed, but this time I watched it subbed. I have never watched it subbed just because I enjoy the dub so much. And it's just something about the cast for the first one. Now they dubbed the second one um the sequel and they completely recast the whole damn movie and and i feel like it was all the worse for it what a great best statement i watched every one after that in japanese but the first one i always watch in english i think the i think the second one and the third one they change the people again right it's just completely inconsistent with their their casting so best to stick to the, the subtitle versions but there's some gold in the english dub of the first one there is oh my and gosh I, and i don't know I don't know if it's in the sub or not, but the very beginning when that guy with his little tiny mustache and his space suits up in there and it's and it's the way he delivers the line is like it's a it's it's a coming right towards us like anybody else see this like hello he's very calm about <laughs> yeah, it yeah yeah he's like yeah. super chill <laughs> yeah it just, was yeah it was also super just calm and relaxed and oh man I just something about the just almost deadpan delivery of this line like. So no big deal, guys. Just letting you know. It's oh yeah, there's something right heading right towards us. Oh yeah, it, it, it's about to hit. You us. know what it felt yeah. like? It felt like you ever seen a Galaxy Quest? Oh, of course, thousand times. When uh, the guy who played Monk, Tony Shalou. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, it, it was like <laughs> just want to let you know, engine's they gonna blow up or well, something. They said it's not. It's not good. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> that that was this guy's energy and it was it was great and then of course you get the macross reference the big you know the striking and, and then the whole city building up after that uh and then it's, in the english one again there's a shit ton of background exposition through the radio when she's waking up the radio's like giving you like all this backstory about what happened to graviton city and like <laughs> this stuff and i thought that was a very interesting way to do an info dump uh, for the world building. Did they ever explain how she got so? Sh- do, do we even know the answer to that question? Uh, yeah. Well, it's a it's another Easter egg, but we I'll get to it. She's Superman's kid. <laughs> so, the very last scene of this film, well, right before the very last scene, is she wakes up and she comes downstairs, and and mommy and daddy are downstairs, and daddy is reading the Daily Planet, or he's got his you know his glasses and his you know, this little S curl going on. <laughs> and some people speculate the mom is Wonder Woman. I don't buy into that. She's more of a Lois Lane type, in my opinion. But but the dad is absolutely Superman, reading the Daily Planet with his glasses, just chilling. Did everybody else catch that too? No, I did not catch that. I was just like, hey, look, it's her family actually there for the first time for like a second. Yes. <laughs> I thought that in itself was an Easter egg. I'm not gonna admit how many viewings it took me to catch that part, though. So I've seen this. No, no, I think no, no. I think I think it, that's important because <laughs> I, 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 I really. How the hell is he so strong? Right. Well, there you go. Um, in fact, it's another fun little bit. I'll just jump into it. Is that in the third film? I, I wrote it down. I know we're not talking about all of them, but I'm just gonna give you a little bit on this one. In the third film, Cinderella Rhapsody you find out that the bracers that she wears, that those are power dampeners, that she's stronger with those off. Hmm. She accidentally 
not accidentally. She removes them for a reason. Ladies and gentlemen, um, so, I wish I could tell. There is a unified look of what? So, now, so now, now that leads me to my second question is how does a bikini make the other chick stronger? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I mean, anime magic, right? Whoa. It's 80s anime logic. Uh, it's it, the outfit, it. it multiplies your your strength. <laughs> Everything boop. about this, every it, it was a giant jewel right below her belly button. That's what amplifies <laughs> her power. That's what I, I was like. Maybe that's like a shield. It's, it's got an <laughs> endless power supply. It's got an endless amount of Akagiyama missiles. It's got it's got everything. <laughs> I still love this statement. Not this again. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so. I know you talked about number two. I'm about number three. I got to talk about number two. So in, in the second one, you find out that her father is, is steal, steals all of her tech, tech, techno inventions. He's right? basically Tony Stark, but he doesn't know how to do it. Either. We're talking about Biko. We're talking about Biko. Biko. Yeah, Biko. So Biko's father basically is Obadiah Stain. Steals all of her <laughs> to the point. <laughs> To the point where at the end when they when he's trying to jettison and jump out, he's wearing the bikini too. Yes, he couldn't even bother to re-engineer the technology into something cooler. It's just the mankini. He's wearing the, he, with the bra and yeah. the pants. He's doing it. I was like, oh my god. I knew after that I couldn't watch anymore. I was like, my brain hurts right now. I just saw a guy in a bikini. <laughs> this series is so self-aware. It really is. I hats off to the people that did this because think about if they were trying to make this movie today, how much more material they'd be able to use in parody. Like when this came out, the pool was nowhere near as large. Yeah, when it came out, you had maybe what two and a half decades worth yeah, of animated and and they and they manage to every single thing, even down to the characters' names, is a parody or a reference of some kind. With Aiko, Biko, and Siko being generic fill-in names that they use on scripts until they decide what the character is going to be called. All kinds of absolutely bonkers shit about this series. You just imagine that it's like, okay, we can't decide what their names are. We'll just use the scribbled ones. Yeah, we'll go with right. that. Right. Who's your favorite character? I'll let everybody else go first. Who's your favorite character, Lynette? <laughs> it's gonna sound really weird, and I can't remember the name of the person, but I just, I just love the character when they came in. The bodybuilder chick with the high pitched voice. <laughs> Molly. Mari. Molly. Mari. Mari is her name. <laughs> I thought it was Molly. Or as I call her, Mari. Ken Shiroko. Oh, oh my god. Deep grunts. I'm like, okay. She should have just been called Keiko. Right? Like, so she walks out and it's like these big deep grunts. That's all you hear. And then when she speaks, she's like, I'm gonna kiss your butt. And it's, like, <laughs> I had to and it's funny because they use two different voices for the same character. And they did it in both. In the English yes. one, they did the same thing, which I respect the hell out of, is that yeah, in the English one is all mm -hmm. and then she's like Yeah, she does, she goes, I'm gonna kiss your butt. <laughs> I was like, I love this character. I don't care about the main people. I just want to see this character more. <laughs> it's so, so brilliant. They, she, she's my favorite too. <laughs> she's my favorite. But all right, so there's a scene in, in episode two. I know we can't talk. We're not. We're, but I actually did a little bit more. <laughs> Brian did the homework. Scene, 
Yeah, yeah, I did the homework. There's an episode in episode two. There's a part where uh, Seiko is talking to her, and they're at a pool, and Seiko's like throws water on her or something. And says, "Come on, jump, jump on in." Mari does the biggest cannonball that leaves everybody <laughs> else out the pool, and then they just cut back to her just swimming. <laughs> no water in the pool. There's so many sight gags. Oh my god. Oh my god. I I wrote it in the notes because I remember watching this the first time and thinking to myself, is this how girls put on bras? Because it goes getting ready and she like puts it on backwards and like flips it around and all this shit. And then of course I was immediately informed by every woman in my life that that's a no. (laughs) But man, okay, so the dub casting in this, the voice actors that they hired uh, for the English dub are so great uh d the character d delivers his lines and i i appreciate that they held so true to the japanese release uh in getting voices that were that didn't play against the characters like d the fact that d is a chick does not come through at all until d is in a bikini and then you're just like oh shit okay not a bikini battle armor (laughs) battle armor and I, I love the hell out of that. I love D. D is one of my favorite characters because D is so dedicated to D's job. <laughs> I, was like, I felt like she was a shapeshifter because when you see her in the beginning, when she's in the bikini and the sword, she's got like the hourglass and she's really strong. <laughs> but then when you see her again, it's like she's got the big bulk, like she's bulking, like she's starting to hulk out or something. I was like, like is that like an anime angle or, or what? <laughs> You know, the camera adds 10 pounds. So. That's right, yeah. And, and battle, you know, she's flexing. It's like uh, it's like Mari. Mari got mad the shirt, like, tore. And... <laughs> you know who else? I, I remember, it wasn't until I started watching then, I remembered somebody else who I loved. And it was the captain. Oh, my God, the captain. The, drunk? the one who says he needs a drink. Oh, the alcoholic <laughs> captain. The Captain oh, Harlock. I... Captain Harlock parody. Oh, my God. She was amazing. I love, and I still use, I tell you what, I picked up this line from this movie and I still use it to this day. And it's that, I don't have time to negotiate with you in a civilized manner. <laughs> For me, it's the line where, where, where they're trying to, she's like, I need it, I need it. And no, 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 not that. The work. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is an, another film that meets my absolute criteria for beautiful destruction. This it animated the destruction in this is animated so great because there's so much of it because Aiko is a fucking freight train and <laughs> everything she touches uh, turns the to word rubble. Looking, the word you're looking for is juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the juggernaut. And yeah, everything she touches turns to rubble. And I love, I love beautiful destruction. I've talked about it in Akira. I've talked about it in, in just about everything. And in this, there's just a shit ton of beautiful destruction intricately animated destruction and i'm in i'm in it i'm so into it it's just so good i ultimately felt bad for d for for d oh d yeah no it's like i said d D was great d was no 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 i'm I'm talking about how much of a victim he was he was every point i'm out of the way wow (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, he said, I'm not in the street no more. I'm like, no, that's probably smart. She comes through the back door right behind him. I'm like... Looney Tunes logic, man. Every time D does anything, it's it's just... But I again, I loved D. D was a great character to me. I just, I loved how dedicated she was to her job. I love how, like, when she's complimented on her job, she starts dropping technical notes as well. A shot at a wider aperture and the lighting was... <laughs> <laughs> just like so into what he's what she's doing that she wanted to make sure you know that they knew how hard the job was and that she was dedicated to it so i i just i loved i loved d and and the voice actor for d when they recast d in the sequel i was very disappointed because they opted for stupid ogre yeah like a deep grunty voice like practically the fucking hulk it, it, was, it was rocksteady and bebop it was terrible yeah and and in the first one he was d she was this like her voice was this deep masculine but i don't know soft voice and it was great it was it was just so good and then the they opted for the hulk in the in the sequels and it was such a bummer who would we say d i gotta find the actor because i really believe they had rock and bebop for the part for the sequel it might have been because it was it was very frustrating to me <laughs> a mindless musing i wrote down right because so they to get through all this right they introduce themselves at school seiko is immediately obviously the most annoying person on the planet and it apparently cosmos <laughs> yeah, apparently in, in, in all the cosmos. Um, her cooking is shit. I thought that was hilarious. And I love that that's a running gag is that and they know. And at one point, she, her cooking is so bad that Aiko's body spasms and her bra strap comes off her shoulder. And he's just like, oh, sweet God, I can't possibly do this. Like, it's just, it's great. It's a good running gag. But also a note that I wrote was listening to Miss Ayumi, the teacher, in the background whenever the characters are doing something, is Jesus Christ, Japanese school curriculums are really fucking hard because I had no idea what the hell she was talking about every time she was talking. And it was just like, man, I know it was just filler noise, but it was good filler noise and they didn't care. They committed to it. Biko, yeah. So Biko has trouble remembering a super-powered redhead from kindergarten. I'm gonna buy that. Until she sees a picture. Yeah, so she gets a data file. Basically, Biko is Lex Luthor. <laughs> you figure everyone would remember that. I have I have a funny, uh, interesting thing fact to point out. How how old do you think they are? These these the kids? Well, they're all yeah. high schoolers. So I, but I couldn't oh. begin to tell you. So you thought it was high school as opposed to say like college? Oh yeah, that's. That was high school. They got the the sailor outfits, and it's called Graviton High School in in the English dub, anyway. Did not know that. Why? What were your thoughts besides it's, the fact that we were looking at underage nudity? And there, <laughs> where I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, by the time we meet them in the third episode, they are sixteen. That tracks. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's. I mean, they were, you know, what was like kindergarten, and then you know, this is ten years later. So yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's what it, we can take a moment to speak about the nature of, of Japanese anime. Like a lot of stuff takes place in high school. A lot of characters are high school age. That's just how it is. I mean, but this is prevalent in everything. Look, Ikitosen is a bunch of high schoolers. Uh, Senran Kagura is a bunch of ninja high schoolers. It's like high school is is a main thematic device. And for a lot of reasons, right? Because the <clears throat> the target audience is young teens, young adults. That's something that's going to be more in their wheelhouse you know it's not like you're gonna write a lot of great anime about uh salary men which some good ones do exist but that's besides the point <laughs> right so saga of tanya the evil salary man <laughs> <laughs> i guess i was bringing that up because of the fact that 
at the time we were watching this, we were teenagers. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly didn't in invent a mankini with endless missiles, but yes, we were definitely teenagers. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I would pay serious money to see someone cosplay that outfit. Uh, I feel like that's got to exist. Someone. I feel like it's got to exist. Someone. I think Not... it needs to be you, Lynette. Uh, no, 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 the guy. No, she wants, she wants the dad. She wants the mankini version. I want the mankini. <laughs> hey, I'll do it. He's got the boots and the helmet. <laughs> One of the weirdest scenes in this film that never landed with me for a very long time was the colonel. When they're in the movie theater and they're watching the movie and the kid is freaking out because the colonel was coming. It, admittedly, uh, creepy. Uh, uh, the Colonel is probably the scariest villain I've seen in a long time. Obviously, I get that it's a Colonel Sanders reference and that's a KFC joke. But at the same time, I'm like, this is more than that. And I don't understand it. And the reason why is I guess it was a reference to an anime called Armageddon, which I never saw. Fun little weird musing there. I also love the nature of Seiko's relationship to Eiko. And, and by love, I mean I'm terrified by it. She is horribly codependent to an alarming degree. But I, I love that Aiko's so fucking over it that she's dropping facts on her. It's like, maybe it's because you only think about yourself and you're kind of a whiny little bitch. and like all this shit. And Seiko's just like, I'm going to forgive you. Let's go. Like, that's that's true friendship right there. That's, that's right? what this whole anime is about. It's just friendship. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I love Biko. Oh, my gosh. She's going to die. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's so many little quips in this. When when the captain is on the ship and the captain is talking to the crew and the crew's like, there was an unidentified metal object in our way. Like, is nothing. But it's this entire spaceship that was like this huge deal to the Earth theme. And they just kind of said it in passing. It was just an unidentified metal object in our way. No big deal. And the captain has these awesome little compasses in her boots. <laughs> They're like little light-up compasses. So there's no, no detail goes like unthought of in this it's just great i like how they just completely we, we've talked about it before with the whole bathing suit you know but at the end of it when you find that the ship is just balancing on the top of a, the tallest building yes <laughs> anime physics man and we're all just like <laughs> yep. it just landed just right yeah, that's, that's possible i love all that i love how again how just self-aware they are of the absurdity like the kindergarten flashbacks Right? She's like, <laughs> they do all this kindergarten flashbacks, and then when they cut to them remembering Biko, I was fucking dying. She's got the little bob cut, and she's just a little bitch with her. Who does she look like? Oh my god, it was so funny. I do want to call attention to Biko's brilliance. Biko is uh, an amazing inventor who maybe doesn't think things through completely, but... Like her first, I wrote them down, right? Her first, first mech design. Her first mech design was oh a power God. suit, and it was basically Maddox One. Uh, mm. If you haven't seen Maddox One, that's pretty much what the first suit was. It was great. Uh, and the second one was the Max 5000 with the greatest car sales pitch <laughs> going through the features. And I love that Aiko just lets her go through all the features. <laughs> like, sure, I got time. Go for it. What else does it have? Reclining seats? Beautiful. Um, and it's, that's, and obviously no legroom, right? <laughs> so they cut to the cockpit and there's so much weird, stupid shit in there as a globe, freaking water, bamboo water font. <laughs> 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 like, 
horribly over-engineered. She's all contorted and she can't reach the, the controls. Oh, God, it's so great. And then the third group, the Abashiyama 5, uh, which is clearly a reference to like Power Rangers, that kind of a shtick with the colored, color-coded teams. And, and God almighty, that animation for that scene when Aiko just snaps and destroys them. Uh, I can watch that scene over and over again. Further explain her brilliance, how quickly she designed and built every single thing. Overnight. Like everyone is like overnight. I'm gonna design and build a team of five multicolored robots overnight. So good. And then after all that. <laughs> but that's, that's the beauty of it. But then we get to, of course, the, the best of the suits, or the best of the inventions, which is her awesome bikini power suit. And this is one of those moments where the dub really shined for me. And it's, I watched it, the scene subbed, and I watched it dubbed. And in the, the subbed version, she busts out in her suit, and the music all kicks in, the ding, ding, ding. and she's like, with this, I can match you, you know, whatever. And in the English one, they do the same bit, same music and all that, Except they decided to add a line, and it just—it was the first thing I thought is the—is is an absolute expression of what any person seeing this would think. It was a, ain't it cold in that? And they added that. <laughs> it's just added. Echo saying that it was just brilliant. There's lots of little moments of brilliance in the dub that are just. There's so many great lines. There really are. But then we get to what is easily my favorite scene in this whole movie, for obvious reasons. And it's it's the Macross moment. It's the spaceship in the dark. It's the, the giant spaceship coming out with just top tier animation of this entire sequence. And the fighter jets, you know, going out, the missile trails, the Atano Circus, the bubbles. The whole thing is so Macross that it's blatant. It's just blatantly Macross. And I was there for God, yeah. every second of it. I Again, I watched that scene over and over again because it's just so good. But it was one of those things that was so good that I wanted to spend more time there. But I know that's not what the story is about. So then, after that scene, it was my favorite scene. And that's when uh, Biko gets Aiko with the whip. And she's like, down! Down again! Down, I say. <laughs> does, she, does she go through that in the in the sub, guys? Does she, are the lines as quippy as they are in the English one? I don't remember. I don't think so no no i oh. think she just goes gotcha and then i'm doing it again see it's you, just you, again. You, you have to go back and watch <laughs> it, that's what it is. Uh, yeah i you can't, I can't remember the full words but there's yeah. just so many little things i just like the way that uh when the ship's coming the, the big sh spaceship in the dark i keep calling it that because it's the name of the track and the soundtrack is um and the commander's all like, it's condition red, go! And then the lady, the subordinate, she gets on the PA and she's like, all strike units scramble immediately. All strike units scramble immediately. Like the calmest, like you're in a waiting room for an airplane. Spider ships, launching the spider ships. Oh my gosh. And then of course we get to, we don't have time to negotiate in a civilized way. Destroy it! <laughs> that was... I, I keep I can gush about this so much because it was it came out at a time where we didn't have a lot of really great stuff, but the stuff we got was really great in the sense of we didn't have quantity, but we certainly had quality. And and this was quality. It's just quality. And even if you didn't get all the references, it was still an entertaining story with beautiful animation and just a wild sense of humor, uh, which I appreciate it. I think that if you need to see a later version of this whole story reimagined, 
you would have to say One Punch Man. I could see that. I could see how One Punch Man is like a in the same spiritual wheelhouse, especially uh, with the way Aiko dispatches Biko's inventions. <laughs> I can see the parallels. Maybe not with the same, but even then, uh, One Punch Man had the same self-awareness yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I can see that. I agree with that. There's so, there's just, oh, man, uh, I love the captain's alcoholism. I thought that shit was so funny. Oh my God. That was, oh, the same, that, that, was the, that was not the Mac Clops, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the captain of that ship is, oh my god, her alcoholism is is just like it's crippling alcoholism. <laughs> just like right. I'm gonna shoot you. Oh shit, I need a drink. Like, <laughs> or, or striking a pose at just the right moment where the gun looks perfectly phallic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the gun is all smoking. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I just I can't even with this. It's and I know I I'm just like talking about random beats, but really the the narrative of this is very basic for a story, you know, in the sense of it's you know just high school drama. It just so happens that one of them's a genius inventor and the other one's a Superman's daughter. <laughs> Never would have caught that part. Your comedic gold <laughs> and the obsessive compulsion. So when I first watched this, it was blatantly obvious that that Biko was gay and she did not want Seiko to just be her friend. She just didn't have a word for what she wanted Seiko to be. <laughs> she was very hard into Seiko for whatever reason that is. For whatever reason that is. Seiko <laughs> is so annoying that she almost hurts the quality of this film, but she hey, doesn't uh, because everybody knows it. I'm gonna ask a question to Lynette. So, if you could choke one person, Seiko or Pi. Oof. Oh. <laughs> and just for those of you listening, we're talking about Pi from Three by Three Eyes, specifically English dubbed Pi from Three by Three I would Eyes. I still have to say Pi. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I would still have to say Pi. Yeah, because at least Seiko, she gets told. I mean, even the teacher goes, you know, that's enough. You're annoying. And then she goes, okay. <laughs> and then she just sits down. I- so Misayumi is a the teacher. She is a character from the Cream Lemon series that they reimagined into this. I don't remember the character's original name. Might might just be Ayumi. I don't know. But she's definitely uh, they reused her for this. And boy, do they reuse her for this in in the sequels. She gets used more and more. And in the fourth one, the the final, it's called. She has like a starring role. So the character really kind of graduates from supporting to much, much bigger. Are you telling me she has more character development than Ryu? Yeah. Yeah, Miss Ayumi has more character development than Ryu. Because she does more than just walk around and give kids money for spilt milk. You know who she uh, reminded me of? <laughs> and, I, and I know they haven't gotten to this point yet, and we're so, so far removed, but she reminded me of Boma. Other, not yeah. just the blue hair, but right. just the way she was speaking. I wonder if it's the same actors. It, I mean, it could be. It could also be that that was intentional, that they're like, we're going for a Bulma vibe, you know, because they, again, everything about this series is so self-aware that it's absurd. Did have, did any of you guys, I know, Brian, you watched part two, but did any of you guys watch two or three or four? Watched two. I, two. I did okay. not. I just rewatched one. So three, <clears throat> two is... In my opinion, two is the weaker of the sequels. I think that three is is a better one, and then and then four is you know again in that same wheelhouse. None of these sequels match up to one. No, I would agree with that statement. 
But I actually thought two was better than three. Did you really? I liked three. I liked the whole the whole plot with them all pining after the boy. I thought that shit was funny. And the boy wanted Zico. Right. Yeah, it's, it's the, I'll bring you guys up to speed. She like she like one of those really ugly dogs where they just kind of circle back around and become cute. You know? I guess no. <laughs> Is the voice? I don't know because same dog. And again, same it's just dog. heads up. Oh, I'm sorry. Hands hands down, fantastic English casting. Kasiko is just as annoying in English as she is in Japanese, <laughs> if not more. It is brilliantly done. It's just some I got. I, I love in the in the second one, Queen Margarita, the whole like Volt form Voltron sequence in there. It's it's brilliant. It's so good. It's just the fact that the dad wears an Elvis suit as his like super suit for piloting. <laughs> It's just so many great little things and so many references throughout, right? It's like whatever they couldn't squeeze into the first one, they managed to make sure they had added to two, three, and four. Uh, I never watched the red or blue side battle ones because they take place apparently in like an alternate universe version. They're not part of official canon, I guess. So I never actually watched them, but they throw in so much shit. Just I'm rapid firing here. I saw Megazone 23 bikes, Dangayo, Transformers, the giant robot genre in general. Gotcha Man, this Miss Ayumi basically turns into a Gotcha Man character at one point. It's just so much crazy shit in this whole series. And in four, you meet Seiko's mom. And that goes about as about how you think it will. <laughs> Just picture in your head, and that's that's about what you get. So I don't know for something that's so self-aware, and and so willing to poke fun at the very genre that they're representing. Uh, I feel like genres, genres. I feel like this this title, and this is my gonna be my closing on this is I feel like this title holds up so well that you can watch it now and catch references to things that it may not have even been intentionally referencing. But the tropes are so common throughout anime over the decades that we've had it that the jokes are still relevant, maybe even funnier, because now there's so much more of it, like endless amounts of missiles, ridiculously skimpy outfits for fighting females, stupidly complex giant robots. Uh, you know, like just all of these things are so common that I feel like it just it lifts this title up and makes it that much more timeless. I. Didn't mean to rope it into a final thoughts bit, but I did. That's that's my bit on this. So let's go there. Vic, what did you, how do you feel about Echo all these years later? 1992. It is still comedic gold. I mean, it's like, I watched it a few times over the years and every single time it's like you always find that new thing that you didn't catch the time before. Or you realize that reference is, re, you know, specific to this or that or, you know, just little things in the back. It, 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 it's just mind blowing. And the fact that, you know, we what we watched was essentially one of the older releases. And I'm yeah. really dying to watch the recent discotheque release since they did it based off the original masters. And I just want to see what else is just hidden in Aiko. It looks it looks great. I, I, I wish I had ripped it, but I don't have a Blu-ray player anymore to rip things with. So I'll just have to lend it to you and you can rip it for me. Uh, but I, I bought it. Of course, I pre-ordered it. Uh, I am a, a self-proclaimed uh, Aiko fanatic. I love the series. I love the anime. I have the vinyl soundtrack, the D the CD soundtrack, the DVD release, the Blu-ray release. I had the VHS release. Like, there's no opportunity to own this that I didn't take. Uh, I love this this film so much. 
Yeah, I think I still actually do have the VHS release as well as the DVD release. I I love I love films that aren't afraid to be self-aware and I think like Deadpool. This is like an anime Deadpool. It's very much willing to just take jabs at itself and oh, it's, I love it so much for it. Uh, Lynette as a as a first timer to Project Echo as a first timer to almost everything we've recorded as of this point. Uh, <laughs> how how did you like how did you like Echo and how do you feel it could stand up to a modern audience? enjoyed it and i would have to say you don't have to get all the cute easter eggs to really really enjoy it even then because i haven't seen mac you know all of macross or anything like that but i still i still loved it i love the not this again when the missiles get kept getting fired i love the spider spider attack tank <laughs> tank counter attack and <laughs> oh, you know they're always calling out the names of their attacks and <sighs> Um, I, I just that's I just loved it. I loved how when she was running late, she caused the streets to rip apart like a river. And <laughs> you know, it, it's enjoyable on its own. And, and somehow they were rebuilt the next day. Yes, it, it's enjoyable on its own, but the value is added when you can watch the other stuff and, and you can get where the pieces are too. So yeah, I. Um... I, I loved all that. I agree with you. When they're doing the the attacks, Echo Tank Gun, fire! And then Spider Nip, Spider Nip Crush! Like, just coming up with shit as they're fighting. Oh, man. Again, Don't you wonder just, what the pilots were thinking? Just brilliant. I'll tell you what one pilot was thinking, specifically. <laughs> pilot whose cockpit she landed on. <laughs> I forgot about that. She's she rode a jet like it was a horse. I forgot. About that. <laughs> what's funny with that? Her skirt got shorter for that sequence. Oh yeah, and and then and then jumped from missile to missile as they were firing. This is how you know she's Superman's daughter. <laughs> it was all there. It was all there. I I just loved it how she was riding and she's sitting on the glass and he's like I can't see and she goes Don't look. And you're like, <laughs> it's like. It's there. <laughs> so like his, his heads up display like focuses on her panties. Like <laughs> I meant to say that one in, in uh, episode two, she goes like 48 hours without changing her panties. <laughs> I was like, you nasty. She's, <laughs> like, you she's nasty. nasty. She, she nasty. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So my final thought is I felt like it was an animated Mel Brooks film. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to describe it. I, and I you're feel not like, wrong. I feel like you're on that. That's right. Like it, it, there are so many times when you're watching the Mel Brooks from, and you feel like, say, Blazing Saddles. Like Blazing Saddles was so aware of how racist it was. <laughs> Love that movie Whoa! so much. <laughs> aware of it, right? Right. The same way this could be aware of just so many of the tropes that they're just, you got to silly for doing stuff like this. You know? But I also agree with Lynette that you don't need to know where they were getting from to recognize it being a really good, it's a really good film. But if you do recognize where Mel Brooks got the Schwartz from, it makes it just much better. So that was my thought. I agree. It's like, uh, exactly. Yeah, once you know where the reference is from, it's like the icing on the cake. It really is. Yeah. And I mean, for listeners who are tuned, tuned into this, if you want it, 
it's available. Discotech, my, probably my favorite American anime distributor. They released just a fantastic copy. It's kind of a fun story, so I'm glad we still have a little time to discuss it. But the masters to this film were lost. Or so they thought. <laughs> so they thought. So they were going to... They had to come up, or they didn't have come up with, but they decided to use a digital upscaling technology. Vic can tell me the name because I don't remember it. Yeah, I think it was the uh, Doomsday Duplicator where they actually pretty much ripped the laser disc. Right. And then they clean up everything frame by frame. Yeah. And a high-res scan of the laser disc, clean it up frame by frame. They decided, Discotech said, well, this is how we're going to do it. And they started. Oh, as a side note, for, for children who don't know what a laser disc is, that is a very <laughs> large CD. <laughs> it is it is a record that plays movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is, I mean, it is a, it is an analog, it is an analog format. Don't you have a laser disc on that? Yes, I do. I have one hanging. I gave Vic all my other ones. Um, <laughs> I have a I have a working laserdisc player. So. Do you really? Oh, I'm I'm impressed. So that's why I got rid of mine because I don't have a player. I have they're both Macross, but a Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Do you remember Love on laserdisc? And I have a uh, Macross Seven, one of the episodes on on laserdisc, just because the cover art was so cool. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a player, so I gave like all of my other laserdiscs to Vic. <laughs> and, and as a side note to the children as well, yes, you did have to flip it over to continue watching oh, the movie. Hills. Yes, <laughs> you did. It was it was a record. You're absolutely right. It's the best way to describe it. So, and it was an analog format, which was always astounding to me. So the fact that they were able to use this doomsday duplicator to, and they started the whole project, and they released a, a clip of the film and what they'd been doing, and it was gorgeous. And then. Um, one of my favorite people in the world, Mr. Uh, Woodhead from Animago, uh, he went to Japan to pick up Masters for a film that he was doing a restoration on. Was it Megazone? I think it was Megazone. It was Megazone or something else. I forget. Yeah. And he went to Japan to pick up Masters for Megazone 23 to do his, his Kickstarter release. And when he was there to pick it up, he found the original Masters for Project Echo misfiled. Yeah. In the wrong place. In this library of master reels. Was it called Project Seco instead of Echo? <laughs> <laughs> so then he he called up the guys at Discotech and he's like, hey guys, I think I got something you might need. So then they scratched the whole Doomsday project, got the masters, and and then did a full HD uh, scan of it, which... You know he got a raise. <laughs> you know well, he got a raise. So he runs, he runs Animago. Uh, for those of you in the know and in our age group, Animago did a bunch of great shit back in the day. Maddox 1 was, I think, their very first release, but they also did the DVD release of Super Dimension Fortress Macross. They, they had a, a dubbed version. They went through the process of getting that done. They did, God, so much material. And so he's been doing this forever. Uh, he did it back when subtitling, you couldn't even be done on a computer. Like they had like a whole system they had just to do subtitling so he's an old mainstay in the anime industry yeah. uh so uh just more street cred for the guy because I, I just think he's great uh for what he did for the west uh but yeah he found the masters called up his buddies over at discotech it was pretty cool that sounds like that would be a killer interview for you yeah yeah so rob robert i know you listen to the podcast i know you're a fan just give me a call <laughs> Let's make this happen. <laughs> when this episode goes up, we're just going to have to, you know, tag him on it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go, folks. I mean, it's Project Echo was 
a brilliant piece of self-aware film cinema that was lost to time and then refound and also had a, just a banging soundtrack. I'm sorry. I, I, I love the soundtrack to this movie. It's so good. Uh, and I'm not necessarily talking about all the, the songs, but like the score, the instrumental, it's great. I listen to the instrumental all the time. I highly recommend it. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to add about Echo before we go? That was great. Yeah, I, I, I think we did it. I think we did it justice. Just a great movie. All right, cool. Well, I mean, again, that case, folks, that's going to be the end of our show for this week. Uh, until next time, keep calm and use more Akiyama missiles. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.